Welcome to the To Our Gathered Catholic Podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father Rob, how are you doing today? Hey, hello, Jim. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and especially because we are once again talking together on a podcast. What can be better than that? Wow. I wish that was sincere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You have a good week? It was, except I had a relative that died kind of young uh, as a result of contracting COVID. So I had to do that funeral this week. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about the whole COVID thing during our podcast today. So that, uh, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. But um, other than that, uh, we're on a break at the uh, seminary where I work. And so we've got some uh, downtime, which is always nice to have. So I can't really complain. Well, good. That's uh, that's nice thing. We had a um, so we released our first episode last week, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a, we had a really good response to it. I was a little yeah. surprised. We, we were a little shocked by that, but encouraged at the same time. I honestly thought that it was going to be like you and me and your mom, and that that's <laughs> no, she all refuses the listen- to listen to us. Actually, <laughs> she she's wow. sick of hearing me talk to her. So, <laughs> no, she's my biggest fan. But we had a pretty good response, and I just I've I've gotten emails back that uh, we've got um, more avenues for the podcast to be uh, listened to on. I think Google has got some sort of podcast format, mm. and, and we're just going to try to get on. Uh, we are we're on Stitcher and um, Apple, which mm-hmm. is the big one. Um, and then I think probably we'll be on you know like Spotify or something here pretty soon. I hope. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so that'd be awesome. No, is there anything else that we want to talk about before we move on? Well, I think our, you uh, need topic. to say something about who you are because last. Oh time, no, I don't know. Yes, Nobody in our last podcast, it seemed like I was talking about myself excessively, which is nothing new. So this time, <laughs> you can say something about your background. All right. So, a uh, brief resume on Jim Fellows. Um, currently, I uh, work with small businesses and startup companies to help them with their branding and their marketing and uh, get their business development established and moving on. Um, I spent 10 years and 100 years ago um, working for the church as a youth minister at uh, several different churches and um, and then uh, spent a lot of time uh, working in special ed and uh, then came to this where I am now doing the consulting thing. Mm-hmm. So I've got a degree in theology, so, you know, whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this has always been an important thing to me. So it's really mm-hmm. nice to be able to talk about this every week. And it was your idea to launch this podcast, so I'm grateful for the invitation. Was it? Was it my yes, idea? Yes, it was. It was. Ah, your idea, you're you're a very idea. creative person, so I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Father. All right, so uh, you you intimated that uh, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry about your relative that passed away. That's a very yeah. Sorry. Thank you, I appreciate that. This was a second cousin, uh, Michael Poole was his name, and um, he had a pre-existing lung condition. Actually, he lived up uh, in the Appleton Green Bay part of Wisconsin, and right now, as we're recording this podcast, that part of Wisconsin is kind of experiencing a big spike in COVID cases. And um, 
So Michael contracted COVID. He owns or owned a, uh, a bar and restaurant. And so I'm not exactly sure how he got it. Um, but uh, 10 days after he contracted the virus, he uh, died of it, actually. He went to the, he drove himself to the hospital because he was short of breath. And uh, they were trying to treat him, but uh, he just declined. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a shock. He is, he's the youngest of six, the only boy. So he's got five sisters. And um, his, his mom actually died uh, in April of last year. And I did that wedding as well. So I have great hope that he is with his parents. Both his dad was a judge and died uh, when Michael was very young. But, um, uh, but anyway, yeah, kind of a tragedy. And we thought that it might be good to devote this podcast to just talking about the reality of COVID since uh, there's really no end in sight right now. And we're aware that maybe some of our listeners are experiencing fear and anxiety around it. And we thought maybe our faith could bring some wisdom and some hope to us. And you mean our faith is our collective faith, not just you and me. Correct. Like yes, our, our faith Catholic is going to bring faith. peace to everybody because that's <laughs> not going to work. Probably not. No, but seriously, but... And, and on a serious note, um, I I have been offering prayers for your your second cousin, and um, I would ask that anybody um, who's listening to this, if if you would, uh, you know, also say a prayer for for a second cousin and the repose of his soul. Yeah, that would be greatly appreciated, and and for the family as they uh, as they yes. grieve. So thanks. Yeah. So what? You know, I just I I think you know uh, we're living in a time, like I said, that is just very uh, uh, well for many of us unprecedented. I mean, there have been other pandemics and epidemics throughout history, of course, uh, some more deadly than this one. But just the sheer number of people that uh, have been infected by this, and the number of people who have died, uh, it's still uh, it's it's quite staggering and. Um, it's disrupted our lives in all kinds of ways, you know, whether we're students or working out there in the workforce. Um, I think, you know, there are very few people that have been unaffected by this, uh, you know, by this situation. So we wanted to talk about it today and kind of say what, what can our Christian faith, our Catholic faith, bring to bear with respect uh, to this, to this uh, yeah, epidemic. I, th- I pandemic. think that the... The, the two things that I would like to identify with this that people are struggling with, I think one is there's a lot of people that are just absolutely terrified of, of mm-hmm. getting this and, and what could possibly happen to them. And that's, that, that's, that's not something, you know, to, to minimize or mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a very real fear and, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think the second thing that is, I think, pivotal to our conversation, is how um, it j- people are feeling powerless about um, what to do about it and how to, you know, they, the, they're isolated, and that maybe that's the third thing. Um, if, if people are feeling horribly isolated, and they are isolated, mm-hmm. this whole thing. Yeah, I agree. I think people, you know, are realizing that uh, it's a situation where they don't have really control over um, the virus. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, how to protect themselves and stay safe on the one hand, but also maintain something of a normal life uh, on the other hand with work and with 
relationships, and uh, it's very difficult to know. Um, and uh, so, you know, in different parts of the country, you see that in some communities, uh, there's much more prudence. And in other communities, uh, it seems like, you know, life goes on kind of uh, as normal. And um, so it, it's very confusing to know sometimes what's best and, and how to react to all of this. We don't want to kind of crawl into a into a hole and just hide out. And, and for some populations, you know, they can be very lonely. Uh, my mom is 91 and she lives at a nursing home. She's, she's quite healthy. She's in the uh, kind of independent living area. But, um, you know, that's a population that's very vulnerable. And, uh, and yet to just isolate them for months and months, you know, is, is not good for their mental health and their joy. And so, you know, do you just sort of take a risk and say, well, they've lived a good long life, and if they catch it, they catch it? Or do you really, um, you know, protect them in a very aggressive way, but, but risk, you know, isolating them and sapping their joy? Uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to know uh, how best to respond sometimes to the, uh, to the situation. Well, and, I mean, first of all, um, you and I are in, um, you know, pretty lucky situations. I don't want to say blessed mm-hmm. because I don't think, you know, I don't think that God is um, blessing us um, and uh, not blessing other people. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a tricky word to use. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are blessings in both of our lives. But I work from home. My wife works from home. Nobody really likes Jen and I, so <laughs> this hasn't been like... A tremendous impact on our lives. We're, mm-hmm. We just, you know, pr- prior to the pandemic, you know, we'd work and then we'd stare at each other and be like, <laughs> you know, that's that's about it. And and there's, <laughs> you are uh, in, you know, you're living in the seminary, mm-hmm. and and so you guys also have like the NBA had a bubble. Um, you guys are pretty well self sufficient when it comes to the social aspects of things. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I do meet with guys here at the seminary. I do mostly individual spiritual direction. Um, you know, they're going to school elsewhere, and they are going to parishes to help out. So they're getting out into the community, And uh, but we're asking them to obviously be very prudent and careful. Um, and uh, none of us want to, you know, contract it. Uh, we've had some lay employees who have either gotten it or have relatives who have gotten it, so they've you know, been been careful, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky situation right now. Yeah, and, and people have the wide range of how people have been able to cope with this is, um, it's it's pretty dramatic. Um, the yeah. amount of uh, uh, cases of depression and suicidal ideation have have really blown up over the past mm-hmm. eight months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is where maybe our faith can really help uh, people because, you know, it's a reminder to us that we're not made for this life alone, that, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a younger person or we live to be a ripe old age, you know, it's all pretty brief. And uh, ultimately, we're created for eternal life with God. And so that's not to be callous or to say this life doesn't matter. It's just to kind of bring a realism, I think, to our earthly pilgrimage, you know, that it is a pilgrimage that we're, that we're uh, headed towards a life that we can hardly imagine right now and, and that that life will never end. 
And um, so I think the, you know, maybe God, not that he inflicts this um, pandemic on, on his children, that would be probably not the best theological um, view, but that he can certainly speak to us through it and remind us of important truths that we're, that this life is pretty short and uh, we're made for something much greater. And, um, and it can be an, an invitation, maybe the the uh, pandemic is an invitation to reassess our spiritual lives, to kind of get our values and our priorities in order. Well, it's certainly an opportunity. <clears throat> it is. It is. I, I, you, an yeah. invitation almost makes it seem like this is, you know, been created for that. You know, okay, I've, yeah, I I'm see I'm having a point. party, and I'm inviting you to join my party. I think this is more of an opportunity to, yeah. you know, to be so... Uh, facile to say to, yeah. to make lemon lemonade out of lemons sure i i sure. um there's a book that i read a long time ago um by a rabbi named uh harold uh kushner mm-hmm. uh, um he uh, he wrote a book called when bad things happen to good people mm-hmm. you, you, yeah it you, became a classic yeah it's it's you read that too uh, I did many years ago, but oh, uh, wow. yeah, I mean, I would have, as you probably do, I would have kind of a sharp critique of it as well. But I know it was very popular. No, but it, and there's there's valid reasons to have sharp, tr- but mm-hmm. there's there was one piece in there that really stuck out to me, mm-hmm. um, where Kushner is talking about how there is um, there is the laws of, of of man or humanity, um, there's laws of nature, and then mm-hmm. there's God's law, and God's law is immutable. Um, you're not going to change it. You're not going to work around it. That's God's law. The laws of nature um, are there and they're going to happen, but you can do workarounds for mm. that, like, the, you know, the law of you know, gravity. You can you mm-hmm. work around the laws of gravity. And then, uh, obviously, man's law, that, that what we do to structure society. And, and if anybody is of the mindset, and probably not within our audience, but... Um, there are people who are, are out there who think that this is something that, that God has um, deemed on the world. And I'm not going to speak for God, but yeah. I would suggest that like when, when, um, when I was working in ministry and there would be you know, very tragic deaths and, 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 and families, and then somebody would be like, well, the, that's just God's will. And I'd be like, well, if, if it's something that can be cured eventually then it that's just that's the law of nature that's that's mm-hmm. nature at work um if we can provide a vaccine if somebody can provide a vaccine and eliminate covid then that's not that's not god's will god mm. if if god put this down here there's not a scientist on the planet that could figure out a, a workaround mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's just and and the the other piece of this that's that's interesting and makes it really hard for us, especially in the U.S., um, is that we have such a detached and and desensitized view of death. I mean, yeah. historically, um, historically speaking, a hundred years ago, your mom would be living with you right now, mm-hmm. and and then my mom would be living with me. She's in a she's in a retirement center as well, mm-hmm. and and um, but they'd be living with uh, they'd be living in our houses. Yeah, and um, if they, I mean, you know, probably I don't know how your house situation would be if you were a priest a hundred years ago, but um, but but we would be taking care of our families, and when they passed away, 
they would do that in our house and the, and the bodies would stay in our house yeah for for several days before mm-hmm. they were they were being buried mm-hmm. and there's a much deeper transitional connection with with the people who are dying and and having that separated out one has extended our lives because we're putting people in hospitals and we're able to cure things and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also made more isolating. Lot, yeah, yeah it, it makes it a lot more uh, scary for us because it's not as natural for us as mm-hmm. it is in other parts of the world. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Right, there still are many parts of the world where, you know, the way we used to do things here still still happen. But, uh, yeah, in our culture, in our society, we tend to isolate people who are older and sicker. And um, so I agree. It's, it's, it's yeah, it, cre- it creates more fear. And uh, in some ways, it's just less natural. But, um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. What else should we talk about with respect to the, uh, to, to the virus and its effect right now? Well, I think that the out of control thing, and then with regards to our faith, I think is is a pivotal point to this whole thing because people, mm-hmm. I've had uh, friends who have um, reacted so poorly uh, to this whole thing where I would call them in the morning and they were drunk in the morning because they they just they couldn't mm-hmm. handle the cope with the stress mm-hmm. um, of this and it's it was completely out of character for them. Yeah. Uh, but Jen and I were watching a movie called 13 Days. You ever see 13 Days? Uh, I don't think so. It's it's a, a movie about uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. It's a really good movie. It's not 100% accurate, as I suppose any movie. So it's not Hollywood. a documentary. It's no, a no, fictional. it's not a documentary. It's, it's, you know, it's like what they call a um, biopic kind of thing yeah, now. Okay. They would call it that. It's like 20 years old or whatever. Oh, okay. But one of the things that, as far as why I'm bringing this up, one of the things that I think pertains to this is when the Cuban Missile Crisis became um, public knowledge, um, people were lining out, out down the street from churches to come in for confession and come in for prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, and that's true. That really did happen. People mm-hmm. were terrified, and the people of faith turned to their faith to help, them, help get them through. Yeah. And we don't, I don't, like, one, because of COVID, um, we have uh, significantly less opportunity to, to do that. Right. To rely on the sacraments. Right. And two, I don't know how many people would feel the need to go to church. Yeah, no, it's a certainly a different time. That's true. Yeah, it isn't uh, religion and faith are not as widespread and, and wouldn't be sort of a, an automatic source of, comfort and uh, strength for people today. Yes. <laughs> that just dropped off. I think the people have, this is like, um, you know, you're, you're a pretty good athlete, right? I mean, you're, you're a really good tennis player. Well, I used to be decent, but. No, you're you're a good. You're certainly a better tennis player than I did. I am. Well, that's not setting the bar very no, that's high. Not, but. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> so I'll tell the story of uh, you and I going out. I invited uh, Father Rob uh, to come to my club and play racquetball with me, mm-hmm. and it was um, 
it, it wasn't a very close game uh, or three games. It was like, I don't know, what did we play to 18? And it was like 18 to 1 and 18 to nothing and then 18 to 1. And it just absolutely merciless. On the, a, a, a man who hears my confessions and then gives me absolution, um, it gives me no forgiveness on the racquetball court. Well, I was trying to be gentle. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I still have the racket you gave me, by the way. I want you to know that. I gave you a racket? You did. You bought it. I am you get, so nice. Yes. You were, you were, you were very, yes, <laughs> emphasis on the past tense. You were. I don't have my racket anymore. I think we threw out all the rackets. <laughs> but then we get done working out, and we go over to, and it's like, Father, I'll buy you a smoothie. And, you know, it's, I always like to get a smoothie after a workout, to which mm-hmm. your response, do you remember your response? No. Well, if you want to call that a workout, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I said that? You did. Uh, I hope I went to confession afterwards for I being so mean. doubt that. But <laughs> I'm sure you did go to, you go to confession on a regular basis. But I doubt if that came up. And, hey, you want to hear the joke that I threw at one of my spiritual directees? <laughs> right. But the reason that I bring that up, it's like that's a long story yes, for whatever why, my point what's is. The why is here? this coming up here? So... Um, because you've been practicing and playing tennis and, and have been exceptional at tennis um, for uh, your entire, you know, adult life or longer, um, if you were to get out on the tennis court tomorrow, there, there's a lot of muscle memory that would come back mm-hmm. because you're well-practiced at it. Mm-hmm. And I think that people who, are, who have been practicing their faith, not just on the weekend, but on a daily basis... Um, have that have that spiritual muscle memory mm-hmm. where th- we're taking a look at um, the the pandemic and the crisis that we're facing through uh, you know with with spiritual eyes and and looking at it from a faith perspective becomes a lot uh, a lot easier to cope yeah with I the like, whole thing yeah excellent I like that analogy a lot. And because um, you look it, really yeah. good in it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of it. That's part of it. But independent of me, I just think it's a very nice image that uh, we do have spiritual muscles that we can uh, increase, and it involves some um, working out of those, you know, working out spiritually. But um, yeah, we can see how, <clears throat> especially at a time like now when there's so much anxiety and confusion and uncertainty, um, that, that having ourselves well-grounded in some basic spiritual truths can be of great comfort to us, you know, and gives us a perspective on earthly life that is healthy, uh, not escapist, but kind of relativizes um, our life on earth, and we realize this, you know, this isn't the life for which we were ultimately created, um, and the Lord is calling us to something so much greater and more beautiful um, but it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of people, like you said, we're living at a time, at least in the West, where faith has decreased. Uh, you know, there, we have the increase of the nuns, not N-U-N-S, religious sisters, but N-O-N-E-S, those that check none on the surveys that they're given about their religious affiliation. So yes. more people than ever before um, don't really have um, a living strong relationship with God, and they don't find their faith to be a source of comfort and truth. And so as a result, when 
you know, things happen like the pandemic or uh, just maybe the social upheaval from the whole Black Lives Matter and all everything that's kind of swirling around us. You know, without without faith, um, without a strong faith uh, and a personal faith, it can be very difficult because we don't really know how to make sense of things and we can um, lose some hope and some perspective because, you know, all we see is what's happening in the immediate environment and what we can uh, perceive with our senses and we kind of um, don't have that bigger context that faith provides for us. So, yeah, it can be difficult. I think that, um, and I think this is, so you've got your master's in uh, psychology and counseling, and I got my master's in psychology and counseling, and you're probably better at it than I am, but I haven't (laughs) used my degree ever. But um, one of the things that we both learned, and this isn't like an uncommon thing, but um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Mm -hmm. and and the, that you have to, you have to take care of a Maslow states so that you have to take care of your base needs first before you can ever consider anything else. So you have mm-hmm. to take care of your, your food and your shelter and being warm and being safe and so mm-hmm. that you're not going to get killed. And then once you get those things established, then you can move up on the mm-hmm. hierarchy and start thinking about social needs and things like that until finally mm-hmm. you can get to the point where you can uh, commune about the world and God and and everything and it, it's it makes a lot of sense in that order and um, at times of crisis um, our our hierarchy of needs um, really kind of drops down to the base level too spiritually it's like once in my opinion I think that's true um, once we get to we get to a point of crisis and global crisis the things that we can rely on are really more basic at that point like you know, try, doing the rosary every day and, mm-hmm. and trying to get in for confession if it's available and mm-hmm. um, just things like that. But there's also things that are a struggle that we can't, you know, I haven't been able to get to adoration for almost a year because yeah. COVID. Hmm. So, but but it's, I th- you know, my uh, hierarchy of needs is really now at more of a base level. And so mm-hmm. I look at the base practices of my faith to turn to, to just to keep me going. It's I'm not you know we're not making it a, a wonderful. It's not like a wonderful existence, mm-hmm, right. the, the quote unquote new normal. But these are the things that I try to rely upon to to get me through on day to day basis. But would you say too, Jim, in your experience that this whole pandemic has also maybe highlighted certain fundamental you know beliefs or just practices that maybe in, before were kind of taken for granted in some way, or I mean, maybe especially, I mean, I here at, the, here at the seminary where I work in Milwaukee, we were very blessed on one level because during the whole stay-at-home order this summer, you know, we had a large number of seminarians living here. We were quarantined together. We had priests available for mass and confessions. We actually had some beautiful um, Holy Week liturgies. And so while a lot of other Catholics were deprived of very basic elements of their faith, you know, we were kind of thriving here. So I feel even a little, you know, I I remember feeling at the time a little um, guilty about all that. But my point being that uh, I might not appreciate certain things as much as others who had them taken away. We had some of our our seminarians that were called back to their diocese, and they were living with their families, so they couldn't go to Mass, uh, they couldn't go to confession, 
Um, they couldn't go to adoration, like you were saying. And so things like that were taken away from them, and I think it um, helped them appreciate all the more some of these basic elements of our faith. So uh, what, what were they appreciating more, Father? I, wasn't, I, was, I was thinking my own Well, I think just, time. you know, the fact that they couldn't go to Mass daily, which they had done for years, or that they couldn't have regular access to um, confession or reconciliation, or the fact that, you know, we have adoration most mornings here uh, for an hour before we have Mass. And so they were at home unable to, you know, obviously they can pray and they can watch Mass on TV, but but their access to the sacraments was limited, and and um, right, yeah. So I mean, those kinds right. of things. Yeah. yeah, and and a big part of our faith uh, is uh, sharing that with community. That's I mean, the church is the bride mm-hmm. of Christ, and the church is made up of all of us together, mm-hmm. not individually. Right. And 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 being able to be in that community and share that faith. Um, and having that stripped away um, makes it all the more difficult. But I think to answer your question of what it's made me more realize, you know, realize more about um, the, the faith journey is that um, with those things being severely limited, I've been able to get to confession. I've, I've finally been able to get to Mass on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, with those things stripped away, like you talk about, the faith really comes down to a relationship with God, mm. and a relation. We talked about a relationship with Saint Joseph, but but that and a relationship is really a two way street, mm-hmm. and it's not just us, you know, uh, worshiping God, but God having an active role in our lives as well, mm-hmm. and being open to that, and and that's what's really become more. Um, highlighted in my life, like without the the rest of the things that really help to support my faith, well, those things are taken away, so now it's just me and God. Yeah. Yeah, well, you you know, I think we we have the image in our faith, of course, of the cross, and the cross is made up of a horizontal and a vertical um, uh, piece. And and so what I'm hearing you say is that, well, that vertical part, the, the, the me and God part is really obviously essential. I mean, there's something, we each have a unique relationship with God that can never be uh, perfectly, you know, duplicated or whatever. Um, we're uniquely loved by God, but at the same time, there's that horizontal piece. There's the connection to the body of Christ and to one another as, you know, common sons and daughters of the same Father and brothers and sisters to Jesus. And so, um, so maybe this pandemic is highlighting for us, you know, what we often take for granted, which is that, um, well, I can still pray privately and I can still have my individual relationship with God. One of the things that strengthens my relationship with God is being part of this community, whether that's my local parish or some prayer group that I belong to, and then, of course, the whole universal church, too. Um, I I have a memory now of when, uh, early in the pandemic, when Pope Francis you know, in came out of the Vatican and spoke um, kind of to the world, led a prayer service for the world um, from St. Peter's Square, and just seeing him kind of walk alone and uh, and address the world uh, that was very moving to me. Uh, well, there was something seeing, very stark. Seeing St. Peter's Square empty, empty, was, right? I right. mean, 
you know, you've had the opportunity to go there. Jen and I were able to go there uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago and, and spend a, a couple of weeks in Rome. And and that the idea of St. Peter's Square being absolutely empty is, it, it it's inconceivable. Right. Right. And, it at is. no time during the day or night, there aren't, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people. Right. And especially when the Pope is there. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. That, I just wanted to make that point that I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things that's been hard for us who are, you know, Catholics and try to live our faith well is that um, while God is always available to us and we can always turn to, turn to Him in prayer, you know, as Catholics, we're we're not just me and Jesus people. We we recognize that, uh, you know, one of the ways that we are intimately united to Jesus is through the sacraments which, you know, during this time, a lot of people haven't been able to celebrate together, but that also we are, you know, the people of God, right? We're, we're, um, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and so right. that element of community is something that I think a lot of people have really missed, and it's been difficult for people. When I, when I was in high school, um, I went on a, a retreat, and the, the uh, campus minister told the story about how in the 60s, um, orphanages were structured in such a way where they would have um, 50 to 70 babies in one large room, and they would mm-hmm. hire, um, uh, there, there would be a couple of nurses on staff that would just feed and change the babies all day. That's all they wow. did. Mm-hmm. And they were um, in this one orphanage where this was happening, um, they were noticing that babies were dying, and they had no explanation as to why they were passing away and and the the director of the orphanage um eventually uh went and got a bus and brought people from retirement homes every day to come and spend time with the babies just to hold them and to talk to them and to love them and the death stopped yeah so, I mean, I'm sure the story's been embellished, and it's, it's been... Well, I've heard things like that, though, similar stories. Right. And, but, I mean, it really goes to the point of God has built us in a way that we need other people. Right. And, and, and surviving without them becomes more difficult. And mm-hmm. so it's, uh, and it's, it's a challenging time because this is, you know... Yeah, um, it's an isolating time. And, and, again, we have to be prudent and... So it makes sense, but you're right. We're we're social creatures. We're we're made for union and communion with God and with one another. So, so this is a real challenging time. I feel so badly for. I hear I've heard stories from people I know of how, you know, like like elderly spouses. You know, one of them gets sick, goes in the hospital, and for months, the spouse can't touch them or go into their room, and it's right. just you know it's just tragic uh, how some people are dying right now in very um, isolated circumstances. And so, again, our faith is strong, and we know that we're going to be reunited with one another, but, boy, um, we, we do draw a lot of consolation from our earthly relationships, and so it, it is difficult to hear stories like that. Well, this is a depressing episode, Father. <laughs> it is a little bit. <laughs> well, it's a bit of a challenging time, so I think, you know, we have to... Um, acknowledge that and not sugarcoat it uh, at the same time. Um, thank God for our faith and the perspective it brings. Otherwise, you know, I could see us getting a lot more dark and despairing. 
But it's also, and, and you know, I, I, I make a joke that this is a really depressing episode, but um, it, it's important to also put this in like an objective perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, got a, I've got a client um, who runs a mission in uh, Tanzania. And um, we were talking about how 10 years ago, uh, the infant mortality rate in the village that she's working with, with the, mm. she and her husband are working with, um, was one in five. Wow. And, and one in five. That, yeah. that was a reality 20%. that these people were living with. Mm-hmm. That they're and and that's been true throughout history, where yeah. you know we we would have times where like you know the 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 people the average age of death was in the forties, mm-hmm. and 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 just I've, one more story, um, I worked with a priest at, at the tail end of my my ministry, um, Father Greg Tolis, who had cystic fibrosis, and this is this was. Uh, it's a disease that your lungs fill up with fluid on a mm-hmm. daily basis and yeah. will turn into like concrete in your mm-hmm. lungs if mm-hmm. you don't expel this. And so every day since he was a baby, he had to um, have his chest pounded on by machines and by people and cough out this 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 uh, toxic uh, mucus yeah. Yeah. that was building up. And and he uh, became a priest. Hmm. With this disease, now the average rate of death for people with cystic fibrosis at that time was like you know twenty three, twenty four. It was a long life, yeah, for people with cystic fibrosis. So he decided that he was going to dedicate his life to God, and and went into the seminary and became a priest. Well, hmm. he ends up living uh, to forty seven. Okay, yeah. he became the oldest living uh, human being at that time with cystic hmm. fibrosis mm-hmm. in the world in history. Wow. But in the light of his, you know, the the struggles that he had to go through and the suffering mm. that he had to go through and the imminent death that he had in front of him, yeah. his first choice was to dedicate his life to God. Right, and right. You could see somebody like that just trying to kind of eke out of life whatever they can, you know, selfishly or whatever, whatever pleasures they can get to in the, in the short time they're given. But no, he, he really dedicated himself. To what was essential? Yeah. So, I mean, it's all—it's all about choice. It's, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comes yeah. Down to him. So, should we wrap up? Are we good? I think so. I think I we've think so. had a good conversation, and we don't want to tax people yeah. too much. Not so, too much. Uh, hopefully, it was a little hopeful. I hope um, so. So the the uh, every week we're going to end with uh, one thing that. Uh, we found, or we uh, the a product, or a, a movie, or something that we've seen that's um, brought a little joy into our lives. Um, and uh, one of the things that w- the thing we're going to talk about today is there's a, a friend of mine who, um, while battling breast cancer and again making choices, um, she went through breast cancer and and became a breast cancer survivor. But during that time. Uh, she was finding out that the teas that she were drink- she was drinking were um, had levels of, of metal um, in her tea and and things that she didn't want to put in her body as she was trying to heal. So she created a a organic uh, tea company called Cup of Joy Tea. It's at cupofjoytea.com. Mm-hmm. and this is the month of breast cancer awareness. 
and Joy is uh, donating 15% of all of her profits during this month to fighting breast cancer. It's still a very personal battle for her, and, and she wants to, in her life, do everything that she can to help other women that are going through it. So uh, I would encourage uh, people to go and take a look at uh, her website, and you can order tea uh, from wherever you are. Um, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, cupofjoytea.com, and that's that's our nice thing for the day. we got to get a title for that, Father. I don't know what we're going to call that. Yeah, we'll have to come up with something. But well, something I'm catchy. looking at that website. I looked at it earlier when we were preparing for the show, and yeah, she um, she really has. Well, you set it up, and it's it's really very user friendly. And I love the uh, the little tagline here. Why do I love tea? Let me count the ways. So that's quite clever. <laughs> that's very um, Shakespearean. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so you want to close this up with prayer, Father? Sure. Let's do that, Jim. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Heavenly Father. Jesus, our Lord and brother, Holy Spirit, our advocate and guide. As we conclude our podcast today, we just want to turn our minds and hearts to you. We're aware of your great care for us. We're aware that each and every day is a gift that comes from your hands. So help us to live this day well and to give you praise and glory in all things. We especially lift up to you family members and friends and others who are struggling with COVID right now. Uh, Console them and bring healing to them. For all who have died, we ask that you give them eternal life, and uh, may we ourselves uh, draw great hope from the promise of life eternal that you hold out to us. Mother Mary, we uh, ask you to wrap your mantle around your children, the human family at this time, and ward off especially any uh, discouragement that comes from the evil one, and help us to keep our eyes fixed on your son, Jesus. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Sure. Yep, you're welcome, Jim. Good talking with you today. Good talking with you. Uh, Have a great week. Thank you to all the people who listened to us the first week, and hopefully you're back. Um, Share this with other people if you like it, please. Um, We will talk to you again soon. Excellent. God bless.